Man, you're getting killed out there. Tell me about it. I feel like Rocky after 15 rounds with Apollo Creed. Speaking of Rocky, did you know that Sylvester Stallone wrote the first draft of the movie in only three days? Did you know that Sylvester Stallone permanently flattened out his knuckles from punching the side of beef? What about Burgess Meredith? He had lived his line in the audition, which landed him the role of Mickey. Or that a destitute Sylvester Stallone turned down $350,000 because the studio didn't want him starring in it? Well, you can find this out and much, much more by listening to Rocky Minute, the fan podcast that covers the Rocky movies one minute at a time. You can find us on DuelingGenre.com. Now get back out there and knock this bum out. Dueling Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Todd Mack. And I'm Joe Dorowski. And this week we are discussing Mary Jane from the Mar- Marvel comic book series, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Sound like you brought the bass. You brought the bass tonight, Joe. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be going a little deeper in the register than a typical recording. Uh, but the mind is still sharp, even if the voice is waning. <laughs> One of those, you know winter colds that seem to hit everyone on earth i feel like it's the apocalypse out here i so many people are sick and uh i'm holding on feels like the walking dead or something it turns out when you are sending young children to classrooms with 30 other young children it's just a great big swap of germs (laughs) and those germs come back home (laughs) yes they do well, I'm glad you're with us tonight. Yeah, yeah, and I'm excited to talk about this. This is one that is kind of on the back burner of like, oh, sometime we'll get to this series. And I'm glad we we are talking about it now. And it seems uh, fitting to be talking about Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane in February. Yeah, this was not really on my radar, but uh, I'm glad we got to it. Okay. Well, this was a series that was written by Sean McKeever and drawn by Takeshi Miyazawa. And the series ran from 2005 to 2007, and it was preceded by two miniseries uh, that were done by the same creative team. And then there was also a subsequent miniseries by a different creative team, but set in the same kind of high school world and from Mary Jane's point of view. And that one was done in 2008. So, Todd, I guess uh, since this wasn't on your radar, uh, I can assume the answer to how you came to this is that I said, hey, why don't we do Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane for our next comic book? Uh, Yes, that's exactly how I came to it. Uh, I read this on Comixology on my iPad, and um, right now it's on sale, like 80% off. It's like $1.30 for the first volume. And it's also $1.30 for for the prequel. So if you're interested in this, it's it's readily available for the price of, I mean, not even a sandwich. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I... um... I heard about this one when it was coming out uh, just from keeping my ear to comics reviews podcast and looking at what's getting good reviews. And I don't, this was never like a bestseller it seemed for Marvel, but it was uh, very well received critically. Um, and it's definitely outside the norm of superhero comics. So even though this is coming from Marvel, it is not your traditional um, straight up superhero story at all. Uh, but it, something about that 
difference that set it apart. Uh, it, it seemed to catch on with um, a lot of people, and there were a lot of people championing it uh, in uh, the the comic book news communities um, online and on podcasts. And so I uh, I think it was after the series wrapped, so I didn't help it to stay in print or <laughs> to keep going. <laughs> after the series wrapped, I saw uh, two hardcover collections that were on a good sale on Amazon, and so I just ordered them then, just based on the the good reviews that I'd heard when it was being published. Cool. A little bit of trivia. Um, as I said, uh, there were too many series before. Uh, this became a regular monthly comic book series called Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. And in 2004, McKeever, uh, McKeever and Miyazawa, uh, they wrote and drew a miniseries that was just called Mary Jane. And then that was popular enough that in 2005, they did a miniseries called Mary Jane Homecoming, uh, which is, you know, the big homecoming dance uh, storyline uh, for, for a high school set story. And those were popular enough that then Marvel launched the series uh, Spider-Man loves mary jane which ran monthly for 20 issues which is not a bad run uh i mean it's the 20 issues in uh any time in the 2000 beyond market places is a pretty strong run for a comic book series and these are non-continuity stories so they're not part of the official marvel canon of what happened to spider-man and mary jane when they were in high school uh these are set in that time period when spider-man would be a new young superhero uh, and uh, it, these are told, though, from the point of view of Mary Jane instead of Spider-Man. And Miyazawa's art style is very manga-influenced, and that definitely helped to set the series apart from other Marvel offerings at the time. I think we see now, more more frequently, we see some manga influence uh, in Marvel Comics, but a decade ago, uh, this, this one definitely stood out. I think it looks good. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I, I really, really liked it. Okay, Joe, you have the long synopsis tonight, but before we get to that, listeners, we want to thank each and every one of you for listening, and especially thank those of you who support us on Patreon. Uh, if you would also like to support us financially, we go, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support the show with at least $1 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our monthly quickcasts, uh, which are shorter episodes in which we break down um, newly re- released films and trailers and talk about uh, things that we're, we're into right now. Uh, and uh, we also update our give updates on our fantasy box office uh, game and all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get a, get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And, uh, and now are you ready? Okay. Listeners, before I do the long uh, synopsis, I think it's worth doing a little table setting from the previous mini series, which were both full of high school drama. Um, so if you're familiar with the Spider-Man mythos at all, um, there, th- this revolves around uh, a familiar set of characters uh, from the early days of Spider-Man. Uh, Mary Jane uh, and her friend Liz Allen uh, are kind of the the two central characters that we see. Obviously, Mary Jane is the one we see the most. But in the previous miniseries, Liz has been dating Flash Thompson uh, for a long time, and they're going to homecoming together. And then Harry Osborn uh, asked Mary Jane to homecoming. Now, Liz thinks that Flash has a crush on someone else. And Mary Jane finds out that it's her, that Flash has a crush on Mary Jane. But then she tells Flash, I'm not interested. Then Mary Jane uh, has a bit of a crush on Spider-Man. And she also realizes she doesn't like Harry the way he seems to like her. So she tries to call off the whole date because Harry's taking it pretty seriously. Uh, But in the end, she agrees to still go to the dance with him. And now at Homecoming, Liz is expecting Flash to be crowned Homecoming King and that she will be crowned Homecoming Queen. She's really been politicking for this. But it turns out that Mary Jane was voted Homecoming Queen as a write-in candidate. And Flash (laughs) sees this as a sign. (laughs) 
And so when they are crowned homecoming king and queen, he tries to kiss Mary Jane, uh, which causes Harry and Flash to fight. And then that causes Liz and Mary Jane to argue. Uh, but then in the end, uh, after the, like they all go their separate ways, but then they Liz and Mary Jane meet up again. And Liz says she knows Mary Jane didn't do any of this on purpose, but Liz really wanted to be crowned Mary, homecoming queen so that she could stop feeling jealous of Mary Jane, who is smart, pretty and popular, but doesn't seem to realize that she's any of those things. So lots of lots of drama happening. And Peter Parker is pretty on the outskirts in those first two miniseries. Uh, I, I was I was going to say this seems fairly sparse on the Spider-Man element yes. of yes. Very much so. Of the title. Um, this, uh, the, the, the next plot uh, the, doing the, the first five issues where the series became Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, there is one much more Spider-Man-centric issues. But in general, the idea is this is Mary Jane's life and she has a crush on Spider-Man and that's a factor in her life. But it's not like Spider-Man is a presence in every single issue. So now we're going to go on to that Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane and we're going to talk about the first five issues of that series. So... Uh, Peter Parker is now uh, tutoring Mary Jane, uh, but she is distracted by news reports about Spider-Man on whom she has a not mild crush at school. <laughs> Peter. So, so I love it. Yeah. This is the, one of the fun things you could do in the superhero genre is that you have Peter Parker sitting in the room with the girl that he likes and she is in love with his alter ego and he can't say anything it's about so it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. My kids love this. I, I, I should say I watched this or I read this with my kids and they thought it was super fun. Yeah, this okay, this I, I maybe I should have said this in the trivia. This was very much um targeted uh well Marvel is trying to expand their audience which traditionally the idea has been that superhero comic books target um adolescent and adult males, right? And and so they were trying to go for a lar- l- uh younger age group and also make it very much all ages and all gender. Uh you know, so to try and appeal uh to girls, they put Mary Jane in the title and then after those two mini series they said, "Well, we also want to appeal to boys, so they put Spider-Man back in the title." Um, so they're very, the marketing and um, the target audience of this is very much an all ages and all gender um, uh, comic yeah. book. But as you sense with a lot of the uh, relationship based drama that we're seeing, I, I, they're writing from a girl's point of view. And I think the Marvel marketed this to girls in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Where was I at? Okay. Uh, so uh, at school later on, Peter is talking with Mary Jane and Harry Osborn shows up. And if you remember, they had a disastrous homecoming date, just the issue before. Uh, and so he shows up and he loudly starts asking if Peter is available to tutor him that night. Uh, Mary Jane pulls Harry aside and says she wants some time away from him. Uh, and Harry says their horrible homecoming date wasn't his fault. So he doesn't see why he, why they need a timeout. It's like, why are you punishing me? After school, Mary Jane meets up with Liz and despite Mary Jane saying she doesn't want to talk about it, Liz really wants to talk about the dramatic homecoming dance. Liz really likes to dwell on the drama of her life. So Liz says that now that they're single, she and Mary Jane can have a fresh start in their romantic lives. And Mary Jane admits uh, that, well, I can't stop thinking about the Spider-Man guy. Liz tries to convince her that this is ridiculous, but it's really to no avail. At the library, Peter runs into Mary Jane and she shows him a map that she, where she has marked all the sightings of Spider-Man that she's seen on the news. And she says she wants to run into Spider-Man again so that she can ask him on a date. And Peter laughs at this, which makes Mary Jane mad and she storms off. After trying to get Spider-Man's <laughs> attention across several days. So we see like a little montage of panels of so Spider-Man funny. is fighting a supervillain and Mary Jane is trying to run up as he's finished the fight and is webbing up the villain and Spider-Man always webs away right before Mary Jane can get his attention. She's really good at tracking him. She really is. Uh, <laughs> like uh, it, it, if she is that good, it makes you wonder if supervillains can do this <laughs> as well. Yes. <laughs> 
but she finally catches him webbing up a bad guy uh, and, and and she gets his attention and she asks him out and he tells her he can't and that she shouldn't be chasing him because she could get hurt. Then he swings away on webs and she sits down alone on a rooftop and whispers too late to herself. At their next tutoring session, Mary Jane says she's going to try out for the school play to distract herself uh, from her crush on Spider-Man. And then she tells Peter, you know what? Spider-Man told me no. And Peter says, well, who needs him anyway? Issue number two. I mean, I think we implied this, but we should just go ahead and make it very clear to any listener who is not familiar with the Spider-Man mythology. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I, I, I think we said that at the time of the first issue, but that's really what? key. Spoilers, no. Really key to understanding the drama that's going on here. Uh, issue number two. Flash sees Peter giving MJ a pep talk in the hallway and he shoves him down. So if you remember, Flash was dating Liz and then he had a crush on Mary Jane. So he doesn't like seeing Peter and Mary Jane together. So MJ, um, she goes and tries out for the play and the drama kids led by one Lindsay Layton. I love the alliterative names in comic books. So Lindsay Layton uh, invites Mary Jane to come out with them that night to talk about the play. Flash sees Peter uh, waiting for MJ at the library and threatens to beat him up if he doesn't stop hanging out with her. MJ studies the lines uh, for the play with the drama club that night, and she sees her friend Liz is sitting alone over at the restaurant where they're all hanging out. Um, on her way home, MJ sees Spider-Man swing by, and Spider-Man is kind of flirtatiously teaming up with the, the superhero Firestar, um, who is, uh, if you ever saw Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Firestar was uh, the redheaded girl, and so Spider-Man, Iceman, and Firestar were the, the amazing friends in the classic cartoon, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Uh, so Spider-Man is kind of flirting with Firestar as they're chasing down a villain known as Morbius. The next day at the library, Mary Jane is complaining to Peter about Spider-Man flirting with Firestar when she notices that Peter has a black eye and she thinks Flash must have hit him. But Peter promises that wasn't it. At school, Flash gives Peter a wedgie. <laughs> and MJ tells Flash to choose between being nice or being her friend. And he says he'll choose being a bully. <laughs> <laughs> didn't go the way Mary Jane thought uh, the drama club runs by saying the casting list is up and it turns out that Mary Jane got the lead much to Lindsay Layton's feigned joy but obvious jealousy issue number three uh, most of the drama club is happy that Mary Jane has the lead but Lindsay Layton is plotting some form of revenge uh, Mary Jane is chastising Peter for always having scrapes and bruises and then they see that Lindsay Layton is kissing Harry Osborne later Peter overhears Lindsay saying that she's just using Harry to make Mary Jane jealous Mary Jane asks Peter to go to a drama club party with her because she knows Lindsay and Harry are going to be there Harry at the party Harry um, talks to Peter and says that Lindsay just started pursuing him and that's how they got together. But then over at the other side of the room, Lindsay is telling MJ that Harry just kept slipping her love notes. And that's how they got together. <laughs> so uh, Peter goes to talk to Liz, uh, who was Mary Jane's best friend uh, at, back in the homecoming issues. And Peter goes to talk to Liz uh, to figure out how they can help Mary Jane. And Liz hears what's going on and she wants to str strangle both Harry and Lindsay. Um, Peter sa says, though, that Harry's just being used. So he's a little more innocent. Um. And Liz is excited to, uh, oh, oh, and, uh, but Liz is kind of excited about all this drama because she wants MJ to kind of hate being in the play and the drama kids so that she can start hanging out with Mary Jane more. Um, Liz confronts Lindsay Layton, um, and, uh, she tells her to dump Harry and to be nice to Mary Jane. 
and to never tell Mary Jane that they had this conversation. But uh, after this happens, Harry is mad at Mary Jane because he thinks she said something to Lindsay to make Lindsay break up with Harry. Uh, And now MJ is sad and alone at her house. And just then Spider-Man knocks on her window and asks if she wants to go out on a date later. Issue number four. Mary Jane is glowing with excitement because she has a date with Spider-Man on Friday. She tells Peter Parker and then Liz and Peter is trying to say something to Mary Jane when she see when he sees a villain go by in the background and he awkwardly leaves. <laughs> then Liz tells Mary Jane that she thinks Peter cares for her a lot, you know, a lot. Uh, the day before the date, Liz and Mary Jane are out. Uh, on the town when a thief grabs their purses, but Spider-Man stops the thief. um, And Liz tells Spider-Man that he better not hurt Mary Jane. And then it's Friday night and Mary Jane is heading out for her date, but she runs into Peter Parker by her front door. And he's asking if she would like to go out with him. And Mary Jane says, it's great that Peter is always such a kidder because he knows she's about to go out on her date with Spider-Man. Issue number five, Spider-Man drops a web down an alley uh, where he told Mary Jane to go meet him for their date. And she grabs onto it and he pulls her up to a picnic on a spider web that he's made in the alley that has a great view of Central Park. In the middle of their picnic, he jumps off uh, of the web to go stop a mugger. Uh, but then <laughs> Spider-Man takes her swinging over the city to see some great views. But he also keeps having to stop and, and um, stop crimes from happening. And after a while, Mary Jane says she thinks she should just go home. She calls Liz to meet her and they talk about the date and Mary Jane says it was great, but it was just fleeting. And she, she didn't really feel the connection with Spider-Man that she was hoping to. And she says she actually found herself wondering during the date, why she wasn't hanging out with, and then Liz finishes the sentence, Peter Parker. Uh, And MJ now admits to herself that she, uh, that that Peter, or well, she admits that Peter Parker is a huge nerd, but she kind of likes him. So the next day at school, Mary Jane goes looking for Peter, but she can't find him. And then finally she, she encounters him in the library where he is talking to Gwen Stacy and he introduces the new student, Gwen Stacy to Mary Jane, the end of these five issues. (laughs) Oh man. That's a, that's a rough ending. (laughs) It is a rough ending. That was a great summary. And this is a really, I really like this story. Uh, and I was wondering why I like it so much because it's very, um, uh, there's a lot of teenage drama in here. And <laughs> so much. It, it really is. I mean, as you're describing it, I'm thinking about, um, you know, the kinds of conversations uh, that we used to have in high school about who liked who and uh and who was nervous about asking who on dates and you know and the upcoming school dance and stuff like that upcoming school dances yes and uh and wanting to ask somebody out on a date but then it turns out that they had a boyfriend that you didn't know about because they went to some other school or canada (laughs) what they told you just kidding (laughs) (laughs) anyway I, I was thinking about this in in terms of the of the comic genre, the superhero genre, especially of, of comics, and um, and I was thinking you it, often we have the stakes are so high, and um, and often when we're talking about Spider Man, especially uh, the thing that makes him vulnerable is uh, his relationships with the people around him, and he's so concerned about people getting hurt, and often that's used in the comics. Uh, and somebody will get kidnapped or or placed in in physical danger, uh, and 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 then Superman or uh, Spider Man has to go and and save the day. And here, um, I love that scene when she's talking to to, to Spider Man on the rooftop, and he says, "You know, this could never work out because you might get hurt." And then he swings away, and she says, "Too late." And <laughs> something really kind of poignant in that. I like it. 
the way that they um, lower the stakes, but uh, are able to at the same time increase the like the the punch, the emotional punch. Yeah. Um, and I like that. And I just remember how much things felt like they mattered when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know and if I, you had that same feeling. Oh, yeah. No, and and one thing that I thought as I was reading this um, is that uh, now, okay, both you and I have been married for over ten years at this point, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, we're all we're going on uh, fourteen. Okay, yeah, I, I think Emily and I just had our ten year anniversary last year, so we've been out of the dating scene for quite a while. And I have to say, one of the best things about marriage is being out of the dating scene <laughs> <laughs> and not having to worry about. All the kinds of things that I encountered in the story. But at the same time, I really enjoyed going back and revisiting some of those feelings through these characters in the storyline and the way that it was presented. Um, but I never want to like revisit that with my life <laughs> ever again. <laughs> well, I think uh, it's interesting to think about this in terms of uh, like in contrast to something like Mean Girls, where um, there's so much manipulation and uh, I don't know. I kind of this is this is me. You know, several months now removed from watching that film, but there seemed like a seemed to be a, a kind of shallowness to the <laughs> to the emotions of of the characters in Mean Girls in general. Um, I mean, they were really mad at each other, but it didn't feel like um, how do I. What am I trying to say here? Didn't feel like they cared about what they were doing, except that it was kind of the thing to do was to to be mean. And um, there's something kind of earnest in the way, in, in especially um, Peter and Mary Jane and Liz, uh, they interact with each other. That uh, I just it felt refreshing. I really liked it. I really liked it. I don't know. Did did, did that make sense? Yeah, I, and I think um, like there's still manipulative meanness that happens yes. between uh, Harry and Flash and Liz and uh, Lindsay Layton. Yeah, um, and all of them. Now, obviously, Mary Jane isn't as entrenched in the meanness as we saw in the film Mean Girl, but I think there's absolutely a different tone. Whereas that was going for teenage comedy, this is going for emotional drama, right? With, with uh, but still, you get the teenage soap operatic elements in both of those. Um, but the, the tone is different in how it's being presented to us. I just feel like it's at the same time um, more light, like lighthearted. And uh, and also at the same time, the emotions feel, I don't know, like more genuine or something. I I, I, I don't know. I, I, I really like the way that um, Peter and Mary Jane and Liz are painted in this. Um and the way that they, uh, like, despite being in tough circumstances, are able to keep acting in a way that is good, you know, like pro-social. Like, I feel like they're really trying hard to be good people, uh, even though people around them are being really terrible. And uh, I like that. So I didn't um, go back and reread this, but there was a moment in the first, very first Mary Jane miniseries. So I I had um, looked at a summary for the homecoming to remember where all the drama was, where they were at. And then I read these first five issues. Um, but I, I still remember, and this is probably almost a decade on since I read these, um, 
in that first Mary Jane miniseries, it's kind of similar to that gut punch moment on the roof when mm-hmm. when Spider Man says, uh, "You know, you can't you'll get hurt," and then she she curls up uh, on the roof or like kneels, you know, sits slumps down with her knees hugging her chest and says, "Too late." Uh, but there was a moment I remember where it was Liz and Mary Jane were talking, and it was something about stress, and Liz was talking about ways to vent, and Mary Jane said, "Well, sometimes I like to just get on the subway train and ride." And like, look at the people and look at the city. And then Liz like laughs and says, you're always, that's so ridiculous. And Mary Jane laughs it off and says, yeah, I know. I, I was just, you know, no one would do that. And then later on in that issue, she's doing that. Like <laughs> She's writing on the, <laughs> she's on the subway and she's right. And that's when she, I, I want to say that's when she first sees Spider-Man is when she's riding on that subway. Now, again, I haven't gone back and reread those for this episode, but that's what I remember is that, you know, she's doing that same thing. But it's one of those moments that is, somehow it stuck with me. The the way that the, that kind of teenage drama of wanting to, do the things that are acceptable to your friends. Um, but also, you know, you, you like Mary Jane has that thing about herself. That's true and honest and a little raw to reveal to Liz. And then when Liz kind of mocks it, she like immediately takes it away from Liz and says, yeah, I was just kidding. Um, and, and there was something about that that has stuck with me as being very true to both adolescents. And I also think true to human nature. Um, you know, not, I, I think it's heightened. Those feelings are heightened in adolescence and in the high school scene, but I think we still see versions of that kind of moment happening. Um, and that's that's a, a very that's a very mean girls kind of moment right like huh. <laughs> where uh what do they what, like with the how what, what happened with the, like the skirt like oh I, I love your skirt or something and then i hate that skirt or and she realized it was the same one or um the bracelet yeah and she realizes like oh my gosh these people have been <laughs> just playing me this whole time and that feeling of like mortification realizing that now she's like locked into it um yeah um i think there's also something that's really interesting that gets explored in this is um the fact that mary jane uh she's really good i mean i mean i don't know how good she is at at school per se because she she needs help from peter <laughs> tutoring for uh-huh. math uh, at least in math she seems to be struggling a little bit because she got tutored but she's really good at most everything else and she gets written in as the homecoming queen um and i think this does a good job of exploring how in some ways it's, it's kind of the warning be careful what you wish for or you know it might not be the greatest thing to get everything that you think you want uh-huh. even though mary jane isn't really seem to be like striving to be on the top of the social pile and, you know, to be uh, the smartest girl in school or the most popular, but she kind of by default becomes those things. And it just adds stress, stress to her social life. And it isn't Uh as rewarding as you might think it is to get the lead in the play and, uh, you know, be the homecoming queen because that fractures her relationship with Liz. Uh, And I just think it's interesting to see that explored in, you know, in, um, again this this heightened world of superheroes and um you know, very much uh being presented like a high school soap opera but I, I think that's something that uh rings true to the high school experience at the same time oh yeah absolutely it's just a i feel as i think back on high school i the the feeling that comes back to me is like it was a juggling act you know <laughs> there's so many different things going on uh, and they all mattered so much to me and different relationships with different people. And there's so many feelings uh, like he just, it's just hard to juggle it all. And you feel like you're constantly, I mean, I, I don't know. I felt like I was constantly dropping some ball that was really important. <laughs> well, they were and, all super important. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I, I remember just being uh, like, um, I mean, it was really fun 
but I also always had a, a like a nagging feeling of guilt about something that I was that I wasn't doing that I should be doing, and this is hard. You, my attention was so divided, um, and and so I, it's interesting to see how how good she is at everything. But I feel like even if she wasn't, she would still probably feel the same way because it's just fraught. There's just so many opportunities for bad things to happen in high school. I feel, yeah. and I think it's really important um, as parents uh, and as adults to like revisit some of these stories of high school and kind of like allow it to reawaken though, like help us to remember those feelings as like my oldest is nine. So I'm not there yet, but I know when she gets into high school, there's gonna be things that seem to mean the entire world to her. And I'm going to say, I, you know, later on in life, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> but I need to remember that right then it very much is hugely significant. Uh, and, and the feelings, uh, you know, saying, oh, it won't matter in 10 years isn't going to really help my daughter or my sons when they, when they get to high school. And I think um, that's one one of the values of reengaging with these high school texts, even though I've left that stage of life, is to kind of get a reminder as I'm preparing uh, for, for my kids to be heading towards that stage. Yeah, it's just it doesn't do I feel like it doesn't do anybody any good to compare like, you know, suffering and say, yeah. well, because you're not in the Holocaust then there's no reason to complain about anything. Yeah, right? or, or you're in high school, so you don't know what the stress of trying to make mortgage payments are. So your stress doesn't really count. That's, you know, their stress right. is valid at that point. And uh, I think it's important to to recognize the terms of, you know, <laughs> recognize things on their own terms. And, uh, and so I agree that it's nice to dip back into this well every once in a while and just <laughs> gain some empathy for people that are going through this because it's really... It's just, it's hard. <laughs> it's really, it's not as hard as junior high. Being in high school is not as hard as being in junior high, which, is, I, which I was know. the worst. For a few years, my brother, uh, John, who's a former guest of this podcast, um, I know he did some um, substitute teaching for the local school district in Utah. Uh -huh. And you got paid extra if you took a middle or a junior high job. Over oh, yeah, it's high school or no, which is, yeah, it's combat pay. I did that. <laughs> I did. I did. I substitute taught for a year, and <laughs> it's hard. I mean, it was it was really fun, uh, but it's hard. Um, yeah, and and I I feel like I mean, as I look back, even as like fraud as it was, and as much guilt as I felt about dropping balls and uh, how hard relationships were at times. I had a great time in high school. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really, uh, it was good. I, I mean, mean, my memories overall are so positive of that experience. And when I graduated, I thought, man, that was great. <laughs> uh, but it was also really hard. Well, I, I think it's because everything is so heightened. Be I mean, because of the hormones that are going on, because adolescents, you're still figuring things out. Everything is a first time experience in high school when you're, you know, learning how to drive and going on your first date and all these other things um, that, yeah, I, I, I think both the positives and negatives are, are going to feel more, you know, more, yeah. more significant. Um, I, I was going to say, I, I think the series also does, um, something interesting, and it kind of harkens back to our, our previous discussion about um, fan fiction, where this kind of pulls a Rosencrantz mm -hmm. and Gillenstern are dead. Like it takes a character who's typically the side character in a Spider-Man story, um, yes. Mary Jane Watson, uh, and turns her into the protagonist and makes Spider-Man very much a side character. Like he has that one episode or one issue with the date, but otherwise there are whole issues where you don't see him at all other than like news reports about him uh, or, mm -hmm. or just swing by in the background briefly. Um, and I, I think it's interesting or an interesting like narrative exercise to do that when 
like the 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 original text of Spider-Man is so well known culturally. Um, even if mm-hmm. you know for non-comic book readers, we know Spider-Man. Um, you know the basic beats of his origin. You know his power set and his costume. Um, but then to turn him into the side character and have a writer and an artist um, put in the care to not just say, okay, we're going to, we're going to make a Mary Jane comic book, but it's really gonna be a Spider-Man comic book but to do a Mary Jane comic book. That is about Mary Jane. It is about, yeah. her, you know, she is the protagonist. This is her life um, because, you know, everyone is the protagonist of their own story. And, and if you put <laughs> in enough care and thought into any character, um, you can turn them into a protagonist. And it, it was, um, I think really successfully done in this uh, to elevate Mary Jane to, to the center stage of this. Uh, and I think it'd be interesting to see more, um, you know, as uh, the superhero genre has become so well known because of the success in the two thousands of, uh, you know, in the, in the last 18 years of, of superhero storytelling, I think there's more and more opportunity to do playful things with the superhero genre. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, you know, the idea of saying, well, what about these other people who are now living in a world with superheroes? What what are their lives like? I think that's been explored periodically in comic books, but I, I imagine we'll see a little bit more of that in other media too um, going forward. It's interesting that they didn't even turn it into a Peter Parker comic, which they also could have done. Uh-huh. But, but even Peter is a side character. He's a more important side character than Spider-Man is, but he's also, I mean, still uh, a side character and and they they keep the focus on Mary Jane throughout, which is nice. Um, I love I love the the part when she goes on a date with um, with Spider Man, <laughs> and um, there's something just uh, it's just delightful to see like to see how hard he's trying, um, and and you think, man. You know, Spider-Man, he must be good at everything because he's a superhero. So, of course, and, and as the date starts, it kind of seems like that, right? Like he's got the he's got the 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 web hammock up there in the in the alleyway. And she says, you know, why are we up here in this weird back alley? And then she turns around and sees this beautiful view of the city. And you're like, yeah, Spider-Man, you're totally on your game. And then he's like, oh, I got to run. <laughs> and he runs off and she's just so distracted. Um, I mean, he's so distracted and it makes her feel distracted and and her thoughts keep turning back to Peter. Um, I just, I love the way that that whole scene is handled. Yeah. And I think uh, I, it's well-written, but the, the art uh, and the pace of the storytelling and the way the panels get laid out and the way the action gets conveyed is really well done for, um, I, I want to say, I'd have to double check, but I, I remember reading that this was Miyazawa's first like mainstream published work was in this. Um, uh-huh. but I think he has a really good sense of uh, timing. I think Miyazawa does a really good job. And um, sometimes in superhero comic books, uh, you find artists who can be really strong at splash pages and fight scenes. Uh, but if they get talky pages <laughs> where there's not as much action, uh, like the, the story artistically feels like it loses momentum. Like things grind to the halt because uh, like it just becomes a panel with a head uh, and then a panel with a head and then a panel with, you know, both bodies and, you know, two word balloons, but the, the pace seems to to get lost sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think Miyazawa does a really good job of pacing these day-to-day interactions and these scenes that are just, you know, kids walking down a high school hallway and, t- and talking. Um, it works really well. He has his great eye for, for how to lay out um, those kinds of sequences. And then he also periodically does get to show Spider-Man fighting Dr. Octopus on a news report or something like that. And he definitely <laughs> does handle the, the action scenes uh, really well too. Yeah. 
I mean, just flipping it's, through issues, like there's like, you know, uh, four pages in a row that is just Peter and Mary Jane barely moving anywhere, sitting in Mary Jane's room and just talking about math and, you know, and talking about Spider-Man and other things too. But there's not a whole lot of action that happens. Uh, right. But there's enough changes of the point of view and uh, panel sizes mm-hmm. and close-ups and other things that it's still visually interesting. Yeah, it's di- it feels dynamic. And it's all, and it's all done by... Uh yeah, I mean it's it's just tricks. It's camera tricks. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean you want to say camera angle. Like he keeps changing the pan, the, the camera angle, and uh you know the again like zooming in uh you know onto a hand with the remote control, and then zooming in onto Mary Jane's face, and then uh, seeing the homework that they're working on. You know those kinds of things. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Story. It's good storytelling. Um, another one. You went back and read that whole Homecoming, didn't you? I did not get a chance. Oh, to. Okay, um, I bought it. But I haven't read it okay. yet. <laughs> uh, the, the end of the homecoming scene is uh, like the last, uh, I want to say, quarter of the of the uh, the issue um, mm-hmm. the, of that of that miniseries. It's when Mary Jane and Liz are making up after the fight at the homecoming dance, mm-hmm. and um, the way the art is done this is something that just really stood out to me, and it's one of those little details that just makes the story feel a little more real um mm-hmm. so so they're in their dresses but they each have um like a long coat on over their dresses <laughs> and then mm-hmm. they're they're walking from their uh Mary Jane's home to like a, a city park and they go sit on swings and just sit on the swings and talk but as they're walking to the park they've each taken off their high heels and are carrying them in their hands mm-hmm. and that just reminded me of high school dances when girls are wearing high heels and that starts to be uncomfortable after a little while. I yeah. remember girls taking their, their, um, those high heels off and uh, carrying them with them, at, you know, at the end of the uh-huh. night. And it, it just little moments like that, that you see in the story, it, it just was able to take me right back to high school. And, um, if, if that hadn't been there, it wouldn't have felt off, but seeing it there in the story helps it to just resonate, you know, just, just that push it over the edge of, um, uh, you know, the, the feelings that it's able to, to bring back. Yeah, it's a nice. I'm just flipping through through this, looking at those um, those panel these panels that you're talking about. It's a nice moment of like um, just solidarity. Yeah, and I remember I remember I remember noticing that in my friends, in my female friends, when I was in high school. Um, maybe like for the first time, uh, just realizing how much they depended on each other, um, way more than we guys depended on each other. <laughs> I mean, we had fun. We had fun with each other, but we weren't like swinging on the swings at night, having heart to hearts, you know? Uh, but I remember my, my friends, <laughs> uh, my girlfriends talking about that and how important that was to them. And just, just reading, just looking through this, not even reading any of the dialogue. Uh, it feels, uh, it feels like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that works. <laughs> Well, even the last the last page of that miniseries, it's silent. It's just uh, five panels of them swinging, um, just yeah. next to each other, and you know, sharing a moment and a connection as friends. Which then makes it, uh, you know, in in the next um, series, you know, so the the Mary Jane Homecoming series ends with that moment of solidarity uh, between Liz and Mary Jane, and then the first five issues of Spider Man loves Mary Jane, um, not because either of them are being making bad choices or being mean to each other, but because high school is busy and life <laughs> gets complicated, you know, and she, she goes out for this play. All of a sudden she doesn't hang out with Liz as much. And that, that break in that relationship adds to the drama that she's feeling. And it's not because either of them were mean to each other. It's just Mary Jane was doing something that Liz wasn't. And it took a lot of time away uh, that previously would have been Mary Jane and Liz time. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. So we've talked a lot about uh, Spider-Man. Uh, I mean, we've talked a lot about Mary Jane and a little bit about Spider-Man. Uh, do you want to talk about any of these other side characters? Uh, I, I think Lindsay Layton is maybe the worst character. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like, like poorly developed, poorly created, or well, just, just like, like, like all like, we see of her is, just the is uh, yeah, really? that, that, well, just the, that, cause I would put, I would vote for flash. Okay. That's true. Where he gets <laughs> given the choice. You can be nice or you can be my, and, and be my friend or you can keep being mean. He's like, okay, I'll be a bully. I don't need you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that might have been a yeah, love. That's a pretty love jerk. Uh, it's a pretty jerk moment for him. <laughs> but uh, Lindsay Layton just gets so fueled by jealousy immediately, and um, we we definitely spend less time with her than the other characters. Uh, uh-huh. like, I'm sure if we then had a another spinoff that was Lindsay Layton, high school drama queen, <laughs> we we might get a different perspective on her. But what we're given in this is just um, a girl who is, uh, you know, was. Uh, the traditional lead role actress in all the high school drama productions and saw that taken away by this interloper, Mary Jane, homecoming queen. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just immediately lashed out with jealousy. And uh, But but did it in an underhanded way where like she had the je- jealousy. She didn't go talk to Mary Jane about it. She didn't say anything directly to Mary Jane. She pretended to uh, love Mary Jane's success and meanwhile was trying to find a way to hurt Mary Jane uh, behind her back. And that is the worst. <laughs> I'm thinking of I'm thinking of these three stories now. So um, Mean Girls keeps coming back to mind, and especially thinking about uh, Lindsay Layton. Um, yes. and yeah. then uh, high school uh, High School uh, Musical. Oh wait, wait, which there's one? a different there's a there's a definite like High School Musical vibe in this. Uh, I'm not familiar with uh, what's the director's name again. Uh, <laughs> Kenny Ortega. Kenny, Kenny Ortega. Kenny Ortega's work. iconic work, High School Musical. I have never actually watched it. <laughs> Um, it's very it's very similar to this, except that the Mary Jane character in High School Musical, whose name is uh, Gab Gabriella, um, she's new in the school, and so she doesn't have that uh, the support that Mary Jane has, like from mm-hmm. Peter and uh, Liz. And so you get a very like a very different thing happens, uh, even though you have. I mean, it, it's a high school play and she gets the main part and she's the new person and the, and the Sharpay who is the, I'm, I'm only slightly embarrassed by my deep knowledge of, <laughs> of high school musical. Uh, but Sharpay is the, is the, the diva. And Don't worry, Todd, if memory serves, high school, musical, uh, high school musical was a very large cultural touchstone when we were 25, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for. <laughs> for that. Do you really think I, I can't cast stones? We're reading. We're, we're having an hour long discussion about Spider Man loves Mary Jane, so it's not like I can really call you out on this. But it's interesting how the dynamic changes um, in the one. I mean, in both of both uh, both Mean Girls and in High School Musical, you have um, girls who are alone because they're new, and they have to kind of find a set of friends. Uh, in order for this thing to get resolved, um, Mary Jane, I think one of the reasons why she doesn't, like, like, why she is able to handle this so well, is because she has this great support um, mm-hmm. network with Liz and on one side and Peter on the other uh, to help her through really hard things and to you know like help maintain her dignity uh, through <laughs> it, um, which is cool. 
Well, I think, uh, as we say, like she, she handles it really well. She also, I mean, she's hurt by what's going yeah. on, these manipulations. Um, and she wishes that she had more time with Liz. And um, she, she obviously is hurt when Flash says what he says. Um, <laughs> Flash. <laughs> that's just, yeah, that, that's probably the biggest jerk move of the, of the miniseries. So. I mean, I don't know. They, 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 I feel like they're kind of uh, neck and neck. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what Lindsay does is pretty terrible. Like what she, what she does to Harry, that's that's bad. Yes. And it's and it's also underhanded, which makes it worse. Well, yeah, the fact that she keeps pretending to be best friends with Mary Jane—that's where it's like at really. Flashes at least flashes open about it. Yeah, that's true. There, there's no hypocrisy from Flash. <laughs> so I feel like maybe he's a little maybe he's a little better. Yeah, he will not but stab I her in the back. He will stab her right in the front. <laughs> right in the front. <laughs> You will see that knife coming at you. Whereas Lindsay's <laughs> hiding in the shadows. Either way, there's really no dodging it. It's uh, <laughs> gonna, it's gonna hit, and you're probably gonna die. <laughs> it's a palpable hit. Oh, I, oh yeah, I, I, I did. Uh, I think the two Shakespeare plays. One of them, she she does uh, her monologue when she strikes out is from Othello, right? Um, so you get yes. the backstabbing and the underhandedness uh-huh. and the hypocrisy there. And then the other one is, uh, isn't it? Uh, it's one of the the Twelfth uh, Night is the play that they're Twelfth doing? Night, yeah, the romance with uh, m- mistaken identities, and you've got the Peter Parker Spider Man going on. So yes. it's subtle, but I think those were well chosen plays for yeah, well done the references uh in this uh the other thing i want to say though is uh mary jane's map of spider-man locations okay uh this is in the weird heightened world of superheroes and everything and she doesn't have any way to get in touch with spider-man but in almost any other genre that's a little stalkery and problematic <laughs> what she's doing <laughs> it's, um, it's not, yeah not, not the hallmark of a healthy relationship to <laughs> be tracking the object of your interests, every move and making a uh, serial killer layers map of them. <laughs> she, it does kind of have like her little, it, she doesn't have a crazy wall. She doesn't go full on crazy wall, uh, but she does have a crazy map, which is nice. <laughs> and somehow uh, in how it's presented and because we like Mary Jane in this, it's charming when, when yes. she does this. But uh, I can think of any number of other genres that that kind of thing happening, you'd say, hmm, this is not going to end well. <laughs> Do you think also in part because of their age? Yes. Like because they're young. Yeah, there's a, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking, we were, we're making jokes about all the backstabbing that's happening and everything. Uh, and, the, and the fact that it's all emotionally heightened, but the stakes are still, you know, much smaller really than, you know, a conspiracy movie or a serial killer show or anything like that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the worst thing that happens is having a broken heart, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, um, I mean, for Mary Jane, it, it matters, yeah. but it's, you know, she'll, she'll recover from whatever happens because uh, she's great. Yeah, but I mean, the stakes are still, uh, you know, uh, one guy's, uh, you know, uh, a jerk <laughs> and, and uh but but not you know physically abusive or anything like that and you know the one girl you know kisses her ex-boyfriend in front of her <laughs> and you know those those stakes are not even the, the level of stakes that you'll see you know teenage dramas on tv get raised to <laughs> very quickly <laughs> i have two things i'm going to start with uh, one that i feel is maybe less controversial than the other and it, 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 it so uh, this is maybe you just have the answer to this um peter parker when he gets beat up and then he has a black eye. Does he have to put makeup on for the black eye or 
because doesn't he have like a amazing healing powers? I don't understand how he uh, how he comes back from that, and he's no, still, I mean, I mean, he's, he's typically uh, walking around with a lot of bruises. Like I'd say, he has he? he does not have Wolverine healing abilities or anything like that. Okay, yeah, but okay. he's generally like more resilient. So to get that black guy, he got hit yeah. real he's hard. So like, like like flat. Flash can't give him a black yeah, guy. and uh, he, he won't break his bones very easily. Like, so he's more durable, uh, but if he gets bruised or cut or anything, it's pretty normal healing time for him. Okay, all right. Um, the other thing is uh, totally in- inconsequential, but um, I didn't realize how much delight I would get out of seeing um, a, a drawn wedgie, but... There's something really, there's just something, uh, I don't know. It's not something you see every day. You see people fighting, people getting shot, uh, people punching each other. You see people kissing. You see people sitting at a cafe. Uh, you see people walking down the hall. You even see people swinging on a swing. But you just don't see very often uh, somebody drawing somebody else getting a wedgie. And I just want to say that it's done really well in this comic. You know exactly what's happening. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you feel your Margaret Spain. <laughs> You, you definitely feel Peter Parker's pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a, it's, it's great. Great stuff. So that's what I've got. <laughs> well done, Miyazawa. Yeah, I, I, I'm comfortable saying that Takeshi Miyazawa has drawn the best wedgie I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, great. It's like being the first chair bassoon player in your high school band. <laughs> I, I, okay. About the black eye. You, you mentioned something. Uh, Peter Parker does... I don't. Does anyone really do this? He, he, the the less subtle than having a black eye. He was walking around indoors with sunglasses to with try sunglasses. And, yeah. <laughs> and whenever anyone does that on a TV show, you immediately know. Okay, there's a black eye under there. <laughs> like, I know. Um, <laughs> maybe so, yeah, Peter I, doesn't watch too much TV. Or maybe it's just uh, they're leaning into the trope for this. <laughs> or maybe yeah, he just watched enough TV to know I've got to try the sunglasses. That's that's plan A. If you have a black eye, you don't want anyone to know about. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Well, well done. Very subtle <laughs> for somebody yeah. who's who spends his entire life hiding things. Um, yes. He's pretty bad. He's pretty bad when it comes down to, uh, to, to hiding the black eye. I mean, is this the first time that he's had to do this? Yeah, if, if what you say is true about having to hide, uh, you know, about having well, if this is, injuries. If this is early Spider-Man. Then maybe, yeah. Uh, okay. well, minor thing uh, when he's uh, so it seems like he got that uh, black eye chasing down Morbius uh, with Firestar in that that callback to Spider Man and his Amazing Friends cartoon. Um, but Morbius is one of my favorite villains because he's Morbius, the living vampire. Uh, <laughs> because uh, they wanted to do a vampire story, but at the time there was a comics code authority that was censoring a lot of things in the comic book industry. And one of them is that you couldn't have uh, undead characters in your stories. Really? So they made Morbius the living vampire. That's an interesting thing to, to censure. There are a lot of interesting things censored by the comics code authority in its heyday. It, it, it was quite a mess. <laughs> they, were, they were pretty controlling. And and in many ways, it killed every genre of comic book except superheroes. Yeah, uh, when it when it came into effect, superheroes were definitely not the top tier superhero genre. Uh, but uh, it was it was horror and uh, crime comics were the most popular. And oh, and but but even westerns kind of went out. Uh, a lot of horror and crime tropes uh, because they were they were scared. They were uh, raising raising a generation of juvenile delinquents on comic books. 
and uh <laughs> they, they, then uh, and like it had rules like uh the good guys must win and when you get rules like that well superheroes work you can do <laughs> superheroes yeah that's fine Oh, uh, the other thing you said, uh, Spider-Man uh, spends a lot of his time hiding things. It just made me chuckle because um, on Facebook, I'd seen a comic book scholar uh, that followed he named Charles Hatfield. He had posted images of a new line of like um, kid board books where it was using um, DC superheroes as very like simple morality tales. It was, obviously, it was like, um, uh, I can't, like uh, Superman is brave uh, was the title of one, and I'm like, <laughs> like what is going to come? But they, one of the ones that they had was Batman is trustworthy, and immediately everyone's like, that man lies, <laughs> like nonstop. <laughs> that is oh, that is all Batman does. Trustworthy? Are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> Batman is trustworthy. Okay, uh, <laughs> and it, it, you know it was like uh, art that was clearly targeting like a preschool age audience, and you know this was like going to be simpler than an Aesop's fable. Uh, what was found in there? But of all the characters to choose for trustworthy, I don't know that Bruce Wayne slash Batman is the go to yeah, choice. Really? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, want to really, see the version of that that's like real. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's that like what is what it really should be. Peter yeah, Parker I, is guilt ridden. <laughs> <laughs> the X Men are outcasts. <laughs> X Men are outcasts. Social outcasts. <laughs> Wait, Superman is yeah. a sociopath. Superman is the lone survivor of a genocide uh, and an immigrant <laughs> to our to our country. Well, genocide implies oh, like true. a crime yeah, committed. Lone, lone, well, depending on which version. Lone survivor, yeah, lone survivor. That's a pretty uh, liberal. Yeah, a, a mass extinction <laughs> event. Well, again, it depends on which version of Krypton's uh, explosion that, that oh, we're dealing yeah. with. Whether it was genocide or uh, willful negligence by the government or any number of other factors. But is he really the lone survivor? I mean, it feels like. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, except, except for all the other survivors. survivors. Yeah, well, he's always called the last son of Krypton and the lone survivor. But yeah, his cousin is Supergirl, and uh, he always fights General Zod, who's a Kryptonian. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's his dog uh, escaped I mean, the explosion. Crypto. There, there are <laughs> who knows how many other Kryptonians in the Phantom and Zone. There's also the bottle city of Kandor. An entire city of Krypton was uh, stolen by the villain Brainiac and shrunk down to the yeah, and that's bottle. that's like over a hundred thousand yeah, people. Okay. So, so I'm it, gonna go with not the lone survivor not of a uh, genocide. Survivor. But but the Kandor Kryptonians are tiny. They're they are like like quarter inch tall at most. So are you, are you being sizist right now? You saying that? <laughs> They, they don't count they as just survivors, count as survivors because they're small well i, I just okay, think it's really interesting how uh depending on what story of superman you read he either is the last survivor of krypton or there's just dripping with kryptonians everywhere around him <laughs> like, like, there's a bunch they were also an intergalactic species so you know there's people who are just away <laughs> on vacation off planet <laughs> nice but anyway we're getting yeah, way, off topic. way off topic, way off topic. <laughs> Uh, I just want to say the story is charming and delightful, and uh, it's a great all-ages read. So if you're looking for something uh, for your kids to read, or just you want something that's going to be fun and enjoyable and uh, uh, just satisfying, I would recommend 
uh, Spider-Man loves Mary Jane. Like I said, there are those first two miniseries that are kind of key to the plot and they had different names at the time. Uh, but now they tend to get bundled together or at least my, like my trade paperback collections that I have are just all labeled as Spider-Man loves Mary Jane. Um, but Todd, I guess you were saying that, uh, the Mary Jane homecoming, was that one listed as Mary yeah, Jane? They sell them, they, it's called Mary Jane, uh, colon homecoming. And it's a dollar 50 on Amazon. Maybe I'm going to double check and make sure that yeah, it's still no, is, but... four issue miniseries. And before that, there was a four issue miniseries just called Mary Jane. And then again, it became Mary this 20 issues of Spider-Man loves Mary Jane. Homecoming. I'm sure they did a two ninety nine on, uh, on Kindle. For I'm Mary sure Jane marketing for these name changes, trying to find you know the best way to present this to get the biggest audience, but it it isn't necessarily the most um, retroactive user friendly experience to try and track these down in the right order. Yeah, so these are both uh, two ninety nine on Kindle and Comicsology right now. Okay, all right, which is that's a good deal. It's a great yeah. deal. That's like a hundred and fifty pages or something of uh, of comics each. So. It's it's a it's a, a it's a lot, and uh, and it's it's a fun story. All right. Well, any uh, final thoughts, Todd, or is that it? That's it for me. All right. That's going to wrap I feel up like this I've episode. Done enough damage tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening uh, uh, to us, listeners. Uh, for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows, you can go to duelinggenre.com and please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice and please leave us a review that really helps us out and we would like to thank nick english who designed our logo and scott tofty who composed our theme music if you enjoyed this episode you may want to go back and check uh an early episode that we did talking about spider-man and uh, probably an episode about mean girls i think both of those are going to play into the t- uh, the topics that we're talking about today you can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com we're also on twitter you can follow at protagonist pod at todd k mac and at jay and our producer Andrew is at Diz Minute. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast. We have really good conversations there with our listeners. We'd love for you to stop by and join those conversations. If you would like to support our show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thank you again for listening. And we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. If they're in the far future, they should listen to our episode on High School Musical, because it's... (laughs) (laughs) That is not on our schedule right now. I have a question about um, about physical abuse. Um, so, first of all, I just love watching um, a, a a drawing of a wedgie. There's something that just brings me real joy in seeing that. It's, <laughs> okay, Todd. I, I, I just want to express how interesting the ramp up into this situation was. Like the ramp up to that sentence where you said, "Let's talk about physical abuse." I was like, "Okay, it's about to come down." And then you said, I just love watching. I was like, I don't think I like where this is going. And then a drawing of a wedgie. It's something that you don't see drawn every day. You're you're not wrong. (laughs) 
Joseph's gonna need a minute to recover. <laughs> Dayquil has reached the nerve center. <sighs> I feel like this whole conversation let not have a different ramp up with it, Andrew. You just keep all of this last minute as the outro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but Joseph, like when you heard that, when you heard his lead yeah, up, let's talk about, talk about physical, physical abuse. abuse. I just love it when I was like, where the world is going? Just that simple juxtaposition. It's like Todd better go somewhere nice with this. <laughs> Oh, and I could conceive of where it could go that would be acceptable. Yeah, yeah. I was like, there's no safe ending to the sentence. And then he kept drawing some wedges. I'm like, okay, well, that was actually that was fine. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm so to hurt. Did that work out? It's been a while oh, since we've had that kind of uh, laughter breakdown. <laughs> I didn't even... It's your fault, you guys. It's your fault.